be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Hello, world. This is Chris Abalo's Podcast Experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to the show, where I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Jack DeFranco. Hi again, everybody. I'm back. He's back. I'm back. And uh, we're here to talk about, frankly, the two big pieces of news that happened uh, this weekend. Well, the two things that definitely impacted us the most personally this weekend. Yeah. Friday night was weird. Without... Yeah, Friday night was weird. <laughs> it was a fun um... get together, <laughs> but it was also like, we'll, we'll explain. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing at a time. Um, so yeah, we hung out on Friday night because pretty much since it was announced that they were releasing Bill and Ted Face the Music on premium VOD, along with uh, in theaters where different states that have theaters are open. You know, it's going to be playing there as well. We said, all right, let's get together. We'll watch the Bill and Ted trilogy and uh, check out the new movie. And that was the plan. And uh, long story short, we ended up just watching Excellent Adventure and then going straight to face the music. So uh, we wanted to talk about that first. And uh, like every child of the 80s, of course, I got into Bill and Ted early on with uh, renting it, of course, which... Kind of like, I think that's how a lot of people saw I mean, I know the movie did well, but if you oh, were yeah. my age, I mean, I was... And that was a eight... movie that sat on the shelves for a long time, too, according to... I watched a recent video interview with Alex Winter from the 90s with uh, Conan, and he said that by the time the movie came out, he had kind of forgotten about it because it, I believe it was Orion Pictures who released it, and yeah. they went under, and then the movie just kind of sat on the shelves for two years, and they released it in early 89, and it just became a monster hit. Right. It was sold in a fire sale, basically. Yeah. They thought the movie wasn't going to come out. They thought it had been shelved. I think it was Nelson Entertainment that went under. And then oh, yeah, it right, was Nelson. Orion that picked it up. And that's that, so it, it's kind of a not a fluke, but that is a story that happens a lot. And that's why there are movies that bounce around for a long time that don't get released as soon as you think or you hear like, oh, this movie was in development. Why is it just coming out? Now, I feel there was a movie with that uh, David O. Russell directed that he wanted like no part of that was done in like 2007 <laughs> that just got released straight to DVD like two years ago. And uh, he's not yeah. even credited as director. Um, OK, that might be a unique circumstance. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, still, there are a lot of movies where that happens, you know, and especially now when you hear about mergers and different studios being bought by different parent companies and things like that. And even when you have big studios like Fox being a, bought up by Disney. It's still something that happens and stuff that's in development or stuff that's done gets shuffled around to accommodate whatever or companies go under. And that's happened to a, a bunch of smaller production companies yeah. and kind of a weird movie to be shelved. I mean, it looks like it had high production value. It had I mean, the for the time, for sure. Yeah, At the time. Yeah. With special effects and George Carlin being a part of it, being a big comedian in the 80s, you would think that this movie would have found but have been promoted somehow. And to know that it was something that was shelved and sold in the fire sales, like really like that? Like I thought that was like a done deal kind of would have been a slam dunk, but it really wasn't. That's it's 
fascinating. Oh, yeah. Well, it's also definitely a side effect of when you consider nobody knows what's going to be a hit. I mean, there, there are sometimes you'll hear stories, and I assume people are hopefully most of the time being honest about it, where they say, oh, we knew we had something special. I believe that does happen when you're making a move. You can tell. I also believe people can probably tell when they have a turd on their hands while they're making it. Like, this yeah. isn't going to happen. This is going to be very good. And I think this is probably one of those cases where they felt like they had something really good and it was just delayed due to financial circumstances. You know, this production company is going under and we have this movie in the can. It's a teen movie, which were certainly way, way popular in the 80s and a time travel movie that wasn't some kind of Back to the Future ripoff. So no, this, this could work. No, to Doctor Who. Yeah, well, that's it. And that's one of the criticisms Doctor Who fans apparently have because it's a phone booth and, you know, there was always a phone booth and blah, blah, blah. Oh, but, but that's a tribute. It, it's, it should be celebrated. It shouldn't be. Eh, well, at the it, same time, Doctor Who in the 80s wasn't a household name, particularly in the U.S. And this yeah. is a very, very American movie because they're very California Valley guys. Yes. So that distinctly American. Uh, totally. So the the fact that I don't know that people I mean, maybe if you were deep into nerd fandoms in the 80s when you actually had to really hunt and dig for stuff that yeah, was you got like the the magazines and then probably ordered videos from catalogs or something like right. doctor who i've i've only heard that in passing or have been if there were conventions in the 80s they were way smaller in comparison right and today so i'm sure people picked up like oh what's doctor who what's and somebody in england could have been like what's this so totally yeah and also if you hung out in comic shops which weren't as cool then as they are now. No. <laughs> they, were, they were for uh, losers and slackers and whatever whatever other stereotypes at the time. This is when comics weren't cool. And if you read comics, you weren't cool. You were a nerd or you need to grow up or whatever. And now. Yeah, you're a child. Whole other thing. Yeah. But uh, I, I rented it. My sister and I watched it endlessly. I can't even tell you how many times. <laughs> it, it was just one of those movies we watched together. We quoted like crazy and still do, frankly. And uh, it was my introduction to George Carlin, who I didn't even look into, and I should say get into his comedy, until right around freshman year of high school. So my introduction to George Carlin was as Rufus, and he ended up becoming a very important figure in my life through comedy and through his writing. Um, I mean, his stand-up, he's the best who's ever done it, in my opinion. So there we go. But Yes, thank you, George. Yeah, thank you, George. <laughs> thank you, George. <laughs> little Wait slightly inside callback but anyway i watched the movie I, I can't even tell you how many times and then bogus journey came out and i was way excited and i actually went and saw it uh, with my father at a second run theater for two or three bucks uh a theater's not even there anymore in tom's river i don't even know if you remember jack because you're just a couple of years younger i than me. think i do i think it was actually where in tom's river where the giant shop right is that's now. exactly where it is it yeah. was laurelton circle in i think october of uh, like the fall of 96 it was like I drove by it with my I was in the car with my parents. I'm like, Eracer still playing? It was like October. <laughs> Jude. I was like, what the hell theater is this? <laughs> That's right. It probably was still, it was around for a little while. It was a long time. Yeah. I, I remember being fascinated by it because my uncle lived over there. And whenever we passed by, I'd be like, what's this old theater playing? Like, I just, I need to know. So, but I never actually went there. So uh, uh, well I had the two theaters in Bricktown that just, pretty much where my childhood was centered so. <laughs> well yeah two theaters in very close proximity to each other yes and uh the one became a second run theater where movies were like three bucks eventually yeah uh, that's especially... what the last movie i saw there was a rocky and bullwinkle movie in 2000 
So and the uh, and it didn't even finish. It cut halfway through and we left. So Oh really? Yeah, it was well, bad. And they saw the Hercules like it it was in the year two thousand, I remember, and the Hercules posters were still up. And I'm like, that came out three years ago. Why doesn't the theater update anything? Wow. Yeah. It was it was actually kind of sad because that was a theater I I saw the majority of movies in my childhood at and it just became this rundown dump and I was like, ugh. This is a sad day in the life of Jack, a 15-year-old Jack DeFranco. And why am I seeing the Rocky Bullwinkle movie again? <laughs> yeah, someone say you didn't miss much. Actually, funnily yeah. enough, that's in my uh, my queue on the Stars app. Because I thought, I haven't seen that. I remember watching that in Charlie's Angels in the same night. I should probably watch it with you because I've never <laughs> seen it since the film cut in half. I, I haven't seen it in a while. I remember enjoying it as a 19-year-old. But I was probably happy just to see Robert De Niro doing something way yeah. out of left field. That's why I think I saw it. My dad loved the cartoon <laughs> as a kid and all the stars that were in. He's like, we have to go see this. And it just got getting pushed back and mm-hmm. we went to the dump theater and then we never saw it. So it, it may not hold up. I guess we'll have to find that one out. Uh, but the we negative should. didn't that day. And I'm not sure. If it... <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, ended up dragging my dad to Bogus Journey and I loved it. And I know a lot of people don't think highly of Bogus Journey and just to kind of skip back to Friday again. Yeah. <laughs> The present company included. Yeah, we we. I don't hate it, but right. But I'll get to my story in a little bit. But yeah, we'll we'll get to you. Let me let me yeah. wrap up my little thing so we can <laughs> we can get to the third movie, which is kind of the point. But um, I I'm the person who who liked it out of basically the, the four of us who were watching. It was myself and my girlfriend Sherry went down to uh, Jack and Noel's place to watch the movies, and uh, we were just yakking as we do. We spend the first however long we were there bullshitting and then eating dinner and then we sat down to watch excellent adventure and at the point when that was over i think it was like 11 o'clock something like that um or yeah maybe yeah. a little after maybe eleven thirty. and since they're not crazy about bogus journey we ended up skipping it and just going straight to face music but i like bogus journey because number one death the grim reaper steals the movie hands the best down part of the movie without a doubt absolutely i just love oh. that he's kind of petty and bitchy and <laughs> like i think it's a great portrayal of the Grim Reaper, someone who's supposed to be this intimidating character and is actually kind of not. And even when you see him, you're just like, oh, shit. You know, the first time he shows up behind them after they realize they're dead. And then it's, oh, they're going to hell. And then he ends up just being petty. You know, don't overlook my butt. You know, all all those little kind of petty things. And then he ends up just going full show business by the end of the movie. And I just thought that was great. I just thought it was such a funny portrayal of that character the best character in the movie and i also love that bogus journey wasn't a retread of the first movie which happens with a lot of comedy sequels i'll give it that totally give it that i like that it's its own story it it totally could have been it could have been we need to go back in time and get different historical figures for wait they're gonna fail their college exam (laughs) yeah it it totally could have been that it really could have been just a complete retread but instead it it builds off the first movie and i thought the idea of bill and ted going to heaven and hell was great. There's not a whole lot of time travel in the movie. Um, I thought the evil robot versions were fun yeah. because you got to see Bill and Ted against Bill and Ted, which is one of the things that, you know, I mean, that was one of the best moments in the first movie when they show up and they're outside the Circle K. And the the us's from a little bit in the future show up and let them know they're going to go back in time and to trust Rufus and everything else. And uh, to see evil robot Bill and Ted, I thought was hysterical. And uh, even the, the <laughs> silliness in the end with Station Two Little Aliens that become one big alien that's a genius. I get that that's a little silly, but you know what? I thought the ending was, to take from them, triumphant. I thought yeah. it was a lot of fun. And it just from the first viewing, and that's also because I was 10 
So I didn't have a whole lot of expectation. I wasn't really comparing it to the first movie or anything. And it was a short window. It, was only, it only came out two years later. So oh, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing is that the, it was at the time when comedy sequels would come out quickly if they were going to make a sequel. It wasn't yeah. you got to wait 20 years, like a let's say like a Dumb and Dumber 2 or uh, just going back to sequels from, you know, that have taken a long time to come about, like, you know, Independence Day. And yeah, yeah I, I loved yeah. it. And I, I had the VHS and I had the soundtrack to both movies. And uh, soundtracks are amazing for both of those films. I, I do love them. I mean, they're very reflective of the time because there's a lot of great rock music on those soundtracks. Yes. yes. I love it. I mean, the only band you've ever heard of beyond the soundtrack of the first movie is Extreme. And Play With Me was a song that was on their first album anyway, but was kind of remixed a bit and then put on the soundtrack. But the other bands on the soundtrack, unfortunately, you never really heard a whole lot from. Uh, but a lot of notables on the soundtrack to the second one, with there being Winger and Slaughter and uh, a bunch of other people who are great. Richie Cotson. Steve Vai, of course, did the score, which is amazing because yes. he's one of the greatest God guitar players rock. ever. Yeah. yeah, of course. God gave rock and roll to you, too. Yeah. Uh, is great it is one of the best kiss songs that's for I sure i love it yeah <laughs> and even oh, people well, don't well, like she, kiss she doesn't even like kiss and same, same with our friend dan he doesn't like kiss but he loves that song well i shouldn't say that fast forward years after bill and ted i'm talking like maybe 10 years ago and he was asking me about the first couple of kiss albums because his whole thing is he likes music to sound raw he doesn't like polished stuff and that's why he doesn't like a lot of 80s rock but um because they're very those first few Kiss albums are very raw and kind of live in the studio. He likes that. So I said, well, the first three Kiss albums before they really took off, I said, they're probably your thing. So I think he he likes them a little more now. But, yeah, that's one of those songs where if you don't like Kiss, then you may very well like God Gave Rock and Roll to you. Yeah, if 80s Kiss had the makeup, they probably would have been my favorite band. Because I love well, 80s that, And that's why I get the appeal 70s. of 70s Kiss. It makes total yeah. sense to me. Yeah, but, oh, absolutely. Um, if I was a seven-year-old kid in the, in the 70s and saw that, I'd be like, what is that? I'm going there. Oh, totally. Because it is. Yeah. It's comic book characters come to life. It's the it closest is. they had at the time. And this, you know, they predate Star Wars and everything. So that was, you can oh, understand totally. why kids get into it and why, of course, there were toys and comic books and, and all mm -hmm. that other stuff. But yeah. anyway, uh, there have been rumors forever about the third Bill and Ted movie and they were trying to get it off the ground. And it was one of those situations where it would seem obvious that this movie should just be a lock. You would think this movie is going to happen no matter what, because you know there's an audience for it. But when you have examples of similar movies, which you think, well, of course they're going to do a sequel, and of course people are going to love it, like Dumb and Dumber 2, and not so crazy about it, didn't make huge money. I don't know what the expectations yeah. were for that. I mean, I, I thought it was okay, but I have no desire to watch it again. Just Never saw in it. In the example. That, really? I mean... I wouldn't say don't watch it. It but didn't I, look like it was like the first movie, first Dumb and Dumber. I don't, it just there's something about it where it just like the jokes just kind of landed, and this one just felt like it was trying too hard and had stupid gags. And I was like, like even the I remember the trailer when he like pulled the catheter out of himself or something. I'm like, <laughs> like I don't. All I don't right, know, like, yeah, I, yeah, I do remember that. Land with you. It's like this doesn't really even look like Dumb and Dumber. It looks more like a cartoon. And I know Dumb and Dumber isn't like the the most smart thing, but there's something about that movie that has a charm where it's like their their stupidity and the people around them are just like oh, wow <laughs> like like Mary Samsonite and all the people like the the guy like in the restaurant with the pills and everything else like their stupidity causes so much and this trailer for the second one looked like this looks like a bunch of stupid sketches stitched together and I just had no 
no desire whatsoever to see it. So. Well, in a case like that, too, I think a, a big part of it is the longer they waited, mm-hmm. that's that's another thing. Because now the characters need to be older and you, you need to yes. create a story based on how much time has passed. And they're still stupid 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, there's a surprise. Um, but they get, and that's one of the good things, honestly, about something like Dumb and Dumber and Bill and Ted is that those movies, and this is one of the reasons they're good, is that there's these these characters just go about their business, and there's no there's no condescending tone from the, you know you're you're not supposed to condescend to them as an audience. You're not supposed to look at these characters and think they're stupid. You're yeah. just watching them do their stuff, and they're just never (laughs) they just carry on they're right on track they're never thrown by anything else even when they have their stupid moments yeah and uh you know bill and ted you can look at as you know a caricature of kind of a a, you know dopey california teenagers but they're lovable there's not a point where you look at them think about them yeah and and they they start out kind of stupid you know who's joan of arc noah's wife (laughs) caesar is the is the salad dressing dude you know, all these little things where you think, oh, these are dumb. But at the same time. But what teenager couldn't relate to that or what kid couldn't relate to be like, oh, oh I hate history. Absolutely. The, <laughs> yeah. the older I get, the more I think, you know, that I probably wasn't that different in high school when it came to being a little bit checked out. I mean, especially as high school went on, as came closer to uh, graduation. Yeah. Then okay. I thought, you know what? I really and I said it again the other night. When we watched Excellent Adventure. I said, I bet I was no smarter <laughs> in high school. <laughs> And maybe it was the school system that failed them because if you think about all the people that have to go back in time and find, it's like those people are all over the place. There's not like one linear thing they're actually studying in history class other than who was this, who was that, who was this. I get confused too. Yeah. So like really. And now you're supposed to have a final report about all these people if you learn nothing. And to be honest, I think all of us learn more about these historical characters from Excellent Adventure. Yeah, then we learned in school. Yeah. (laughs) But having said that, Having lived in California for a couple of years, I do think there's a I'm not surprised given the California public school system and having met a bunch of locals who were out there. I'm not going to praise the New Jersey public school system, but nonetheless, yeah, uh, easy. uh, That's low hanging fruit for me to just make fun of California. But anyway, is San Dimas real? Like, I keep forgetting. You know what's so funny? I didn't know it was real until I literally saw it on Google Maps when I was heading uh, east of Los Angeles, and I saw it, and I was like, holy shit, San Dimas is real? You didn't know the Circle K was real either, too. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I thought Circle K was made up from the movies, because everything was kind of made up in a lot of movies. Or at least yeah. in TV shows, they weren't using a lot of actual stores, a lot of actual franchises. And at the same time, we don't have the Circle K out here. We had Wawa and Quick yeah. Check and, you know, Krausers. Yeah. And, you know, there's Cumberland Farms. There were certain places we had out here yeah. that they didn't have there, but there weren't movies that were made in New Jersey about local Jersians that we would have known. So I'm not surprised. I thought it was a fictitious place. And, you know, I forget when I finally saw Circle K. I don't know if it was in California. It specifically was the first time I even saw one. But, yeah, I thought it was made up for the movie. Yeah, I thought it was a fake convenience store. And same thing with San Dimas. I thought it was a fake town until... You know, I was in my 30s <laughs> a couple of years ago when I was, accident. yeah, when I was heading east and I don't even remember what I was looking for, but I know I was heading that far because San Dimas isn't that far from, I mean, I was living in Burbank at the time. It's between 45 minutes and an hour. It's actually not that far from, where's that joint we went to when you and Ryan came out four years ago? Oh, City of Industry. 
Yeah, it's not that. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that is in it's within striking distance, like maybe 15, 20 minutes, if I'm yeah. remembering correctly, because it was probably around that time or maybe a little bit before you guys visited me that I saw San Dimas was a real place. And, and it had never come up. Okay, in that city of industry also right by the place we were going to. Yeah. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. So. But, you know, it's a movie. And as a kid, you just think everything's made up. Everything's crazy. You know, I mean, now product placement is, is such a heavy part of so many big movies when yeah. it comes to you know, restaurants and what they're drinking and the cars they're driving and everything else. So now it's a different story. But when we were kids, everything was just kind of real, or it was organically part of it, like Bill and Ted was. They they yes. went to the Circle K because that's what there was out there and what there is. Yeah. But. Anyway, there have been rumors about the third movie for a while, and I'd seen uh, Alex Winter, who's been doing documentary films, uh, who plays Bill, if you didn't know. Then uh, when he did interviews, he would say that they they have a script, they like it, or the writers are working on a script. Various stages of uh, the development of a third movie. Yeah, I, I heard that for years, too. Actually, in 2014, when I was listening to the Nerdist podcast, he was on. I listened to his episode and he said, yeah, we're, we're still down for doing it. We're interested and we're trying to get the story right, so on and so forth. But as far as I'm into it, I know Keanu's into it if it happens. So, And that was six years ago at this point. Right. Well, funnily enough, I saw a screening in, I believe it was 2017, at uh, the Aero Theater in Santa Monica. They were doing Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey in the theater, which is great because I'd never seen Excellent Adventure on the big screen and I wanted to. Especially because, yeah. you know, one of those movies from your childhood, especially if you didn't catch it in theaters, I still get that thrill of, and I know you do too. Oh, me too. I wish that that, uh, that theater, that Cinemark that's, that we live next to now was still doing classic movies. Because yeah. in summer 2015, they were doing all the 80s movies. And I was like, I can't wait to see what's next. I missed Coming <laughs> to America and Bill and Ted didn't happen. So yeah. I, saw, I saw too many that I can't even remember at that point. But I know that Bill and Ted wasn't one of them. But it was on my list of like... I, it, Wish this to be one of them. Right. Oh, it didn't get played a lot. I mean, sometimes Arclight Cinemas, which is a, another um, set in Southern California, a theater chain, small theater chain, will show old movies in either with some theme. It'll be summer movies or with the AFI. They'll do, you know, previous Oscar winners. And I've gone to see a bunch of movies, uh, older movies and, you know, Blazing Saddles and Goodfellas and all sorts of stuff. Uh, the Thing twice which was great in the theater and a movie i've seen at home a hundred times but seeing it in the theater especially with a crowd like that and knowing there's a few first timers in there it, it's a great experience and that's yeah, another reason i saw why a crappy like prequel it. theaters and that was that wasn't nearly as good you're kidding remember <laughs> but uh anyway there was going to be the screening of excellent adventure bogus journey and it was going to be alex winter was going to be there and, and and forgive me I, I don't remember every actor's name but like the actors who played missy and um, I believe the producer was there. And um, I don't think the writers were. I don't remember offhand. I'm sure I saved it. Some, I'm sure there's a screenshot on my phone. And I should have looked for it while talking about it. But anyway, it, there was going to be um, an, an assemblage of the cast uh, in between the two movies. So I said, well, aside from the fact I would want to see these two movies on, on the big screen anyway, having only seen Bogus Journey in the theater, I said, and I didn't even want to drive to Santa Monica <laughs> from where I was. It was like an hour and a half, even though it's, you know, 16 miles or something. But fucking California. I, oh, fucking California. <laughs> Jesus. Fucking California. I said, we got to go and uh, got tickets for Sherry and myself and uh, my sister. And she, one of her friends came along and only stuck around for Excellent Adventure. But <laughs> or I should say left after the Q&A. 
I would have stuck but, around for Bogus Journey. Well, especially in in that sense, why not? I mean, to be fair, you know, my sister never saw Bogus Journey either. She just had no interest because she's one of those people who, if the first one's good, I saw that first actually. Really? I saw oh, Bogus no wonder. Journey first when I was a kid. Uh, well, Bill and Ted was. I knew who Bill and Ted were just through television. I think there was an animated series also. There I was. Older, yeah, I have I some of them sisters. on DVD. Yeah, I had two older sisters who were. I mean, my older sister Louise had a crush on Keanu Reeves. So whenever a new Keanu Reeves movie came out, she would rent it and watch it with my mom and my dad uh, while she was visiting for the weekend. So I knew who Bill and Ted were, and I kept seeing the commercial for Bogus Journey thinking that looks like fun. And um, I didn't know what the white guy was who was following them. I was six years old when the movie came out. So I rent, <laughs> I asked my mom, yeah, I want to yeah. see Bill and Ted. Can I, can I please rent Bill and Ted? So she rented Bogus Journey. And six, seven years old, I enjoyed it that afternoon I watched it, and I didn't see it for 22, 23, 24 years after that. So I watched Bogus Journey on Netflix five years ago when they were both on Netflix. Noelle and I did a double feature in our old apartment. I thought, wow, Bogus Journey is really not that good. But I've seen Bill and Ted, the excellent adventure. At previous points, I can't remember when I first saw it, probably my teenage years, and watched it several times. Whenever it was on TV, I'd sit and watch it. So... Uh, that's my Bill and Ted experience to just kind of circle back to that. But Bogus Journey was the first one I saw because it was the one out in 1991, 92 on theaters and TV and everything else that I was like, oh, I want to see Bill and Ted. That's the one I want to see, which funnily enough, I found out was called Bill and Ted go to hell at first. Yeah. 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 Well, that was really interesting. And when it comes to as far as uh, this Q&A where they're telling stories, you know, the cast and everybody, they're, they're talking about different elements of making the movie and the whole story behind you know, they didn't know the movie was going to come out and it'd been done a while ago and everybody moved on to other projects. And then all of a sudden it was, oh, this movie's coming out and then it's successful, which is another surprise. Not only is yeah. it coming out, but it actually did well. No, and there's going to be a second one. They want to write a second one. So then that came about. Um, and there are great. I'm sure anybody who has even a, a remote interest in these movies and at least finding out more about it, you probably know. And if you don't, I'll tell you, there's a. The company Shout Factory that we've mentioned a bunch of times that releases excellent special edition Blu-rays. They have a Bill and Ted collection with the first two movies on Blu-ray, which look great. And mm, yeah, uh, also special features, including an hour-long documentary making of about each movie, which is great. <laughs> and, I'd watch that. Oh, dude, they, they are really, really good. I mean, that and I know you're fascinated by production and you like to know what goes yeah. into the movies that we like. <laughs> And how movies are made, all, all and it is really since interesting. I, since I saw the making of Batman Returns on TV as a kid, I've always been like, "Ooh!" Oh, those were the days when there were prime time uh, specials when oh, a movie was coming CBS out. Special, half, <laughs> oh, the week the movie came out. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these times all. I think the last one I remember seeing was True Lies. I remember they did a prime time special I, for I that on remember, Fox. I, I think I'm Independence guessing. Day was the last one I saw. It was like coming out this Thursday yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, this looks great." <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, those are the days. Those, those are the HBO first look. Eventually, too, the 15, oh, 15 God, minute yeah. or thirty minute uh, making of featurettes, which were great. Uh, which some of them ended up on the DVDs, and I was always excited. Like I remember and that's watching it, this... DVDs. Like, wait, that spec? <laughs> wait, you could watch the making of now on D? Ah, oh, I got. I know for like us, there there are tons of people who never understood why I loved when there was like a two disc special edition of a movie coming out. So many people would just say, "I just want to watch the movie," and that's become more of a. That, that's that's become even more of the the rule, whereas you and I are the exception because people are just happy to stream movies. There well, may I be some extreme, like 
oh, I bought three copies of Terminator 2 because there's a new feature every other year. Oh, like, uh, you know, I've... <laughs> like, I'm less ridiculous about that as time goes on. I do have Terminator 2 twice on DVD. So I, I'm not going to excuse it, but there also yeah. was... It, there, that's one of those movies, too, where because the, the ownership of it has changed hands so many times, it yeah. actually does... You know, there's usually a little bit of a difference in, in the actual picture quality and not everything carries over. But have I watched all the features? No. The first two I, I discs special I own edition. Star Wars every version that comes out. Yeah, so, so fuck so. you. No. Yeah, fuck <laughs> hey. At least mine are different. George made them that way. Uh, yeah, that, exactly. You're you're a you, you suffer What's from, from multi formatting. <laughs> the What's movie all the James James Cameron left his movie perfect and George just kept tinkering away. What's your excuse? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you got added CGI for an extra twenty dollars every time. Yeah. But hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but during this Q and A, we're we're all over the road, but uh, that's kind of our yeah. our way. Yeah. But uh, during this Q&A, they did talk about the third one and we have a script we like and we're trying to get it going. And, you know, again, this is three years ago. So they were kind of getting closer to it. And I said, man, I hope this happens. I really hope it happens. Um, and by the way, my sister did like Bogus Journey, obviously not as much as the first one, but she enjoyed it. Uh, having seen it for the first time in the theater, which, again, if you're going to see a movie for the first time, I would prefer that be my first time for the majority of movies. I would have loved if we'd seen Face the Music in the theater. Oh, and I'm that so was how we saw it for the first that. time. It's like because it was coming out around this time and the summer. Like, that's a perfect way to end the it. same day. They released it on VOD the day it was supposed to come out in theaters. Yeah. So we didn't even have to wait. Perfect. For it. Let's end it the way it was like. Yeah, we'll um, see it the way a lot of people saw those movies. <laughs> yeah. Even though we would have rather gone to the theater. Um, oh, totally. But when it was finally announced that a deal's been made, we're making these movies, because it seemed like it was going to happen anyway, because Alex Winter said that, you know, they were in and they want to do it. And the only thing they could do, and I said the same thing when, when Toy Story 4 was announced, well, they have nothing to gain by doing another one. Nobody needs to do it for the money. N they don't want to rip off the fans. They're, they have a perfect... Not a perfect ending, but there's still a pretty great ending to Bogus Journey. You could say if that's the end of the Bill yeah. and Ted story, it, it's a satisfactory ending. Wild Stallions becomes a huge band. time, and that's it. They just finished it, and they moved on. Totally. So they don't. They only. They can only lose if they make another one, and it's bad. So why okay. do that? And they, they weren't going to just do this for like a cash grab. And you could tell. And why they don't have to do it? You know, Alex Winter's happy being a filmmaker. Keanu Reeves is doing great, and now. Probably better yeah, than ever. Assholes think, well, Alex Winter hasn't worked in like thirty years. Now he has. He's yeah, he's, he's just not acting yeah. as much. Yeah, like he's he's working on the internet. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, he's one of those dudes too. He's been an actor forever, like since he was a little kid doing theater productions and and everything. I saw the Lost Boys for the first time. I never saw the Lost Boys before, but he's in it. He is he's in it before Bill and Ted. He's on the poster. <laughs> yeah maybe you didn't notice it before kids but he is yeah that's the, the other notable and, uh somebody from the uh, cory feldman's not and he's more of a star in the movie that's true yeah that, that's a good point actually yeah well anyway um they had actually said at that q a alex winter had said you know we, we we're actually kiana was supposed to be here but we couldn't announce that because then the place just would have been flooded with people here to see Keanu and not necessarily mm -hmm. see the movies. And he said he called me a couple hours ago. He's like, dude, I feel so sick. I just really don't think I can make it. So they actually were supposed to be there. And I would have lost my shit seeing both Bill and Ted in person. I mean, it was still cool seeing Alex Winter and a bunch of other people who were who were involved. And I can't remember everybody offhand, honestly. Mm -hmm. But that's the idea isn't to talk about this Q&A. The idea is yeah. to talk about Face the Music. So let's skip ahead to that. Yes. Finally, <laughs> now that you've listened to all this, let's finally talk about face music. Um, I got to say, 
there are a lot of sequels, and you know we've we've mentioned a couple already, like Dumb and Dumber Two or Independence Day Resurgence, where you can say, "Man, I, I wish they didn't do a sequel to this. Like it was fine the way it was." And this is not that case. I'm happy to all. say that if there was going to be a third Bill and Ted movie, I'm happy this is it. Me too. I, I love this movie. I uh, absolutely I, love this movie. And I'll tell you, for me personally, it may sound ridiculous, but I needed this movie as well. I really, with yeah. everything going on the last couple of months and without having any new movies to see, I mean, movies I hadn't seen before from years ago. I've watched a lot of cheesy action movies and B movies and stuff like that that I, had, <laughs> that I hadn't seen before. There's been a lot of movie watching in these last couple of months or revisited some older movies that I liked when I was younger, you know, from the 90s, which we talked about in a few episodes back, if you want to check that out. But to actually see a new movie that I wanted to see and seeing it when we would have seen it because we would have been there opening night if theaters were open and oh, totally. the world were normal <laughs> as opposed to. Dinner, we would have yeah, exactly. Uh Oh, Jack's frozen. That's OK. I'll carry on. But. The idea that we could actually see the... Oh, he's back. All right, cool. I I'm see here. blinking. Yeah. <laughs> For a second, there was like... But yeah. We all experienced yeah. that. Anyway, so... I'm just... I, I, honestly, I needed this movie, and I needed something to be this... Just I mean, it's, it's tough to say it's grounded in reality, because it's a movie about time traveling. Yeah. But it is fun. It is an optimistic movie, and it is a movie that takes us out of everything that's going on in the world today as you would hope any movie is any movie would be kind of an escape but there's also not any cynicism about it which i really like there's not no like you know life sucks or you know don't forget there's still stuff to be upset about it really is all the way through an optimistic movie and bill and ted are characters that are just always up and always yeah. happy and always optimistic and and, and nobody's frankly, kicking them while they're down in the movie either. Like no, not at like, all. Like man, Bill and Ted are real fucking losers. It's like no, they <laughs> they're just they're still Bill and Ted after all these years, and people love them. Yeah. But you know, the point of the movie is also like, hey, you know, what are you doing? But it's not like their failures are not like this. They're not like dark and brooding Bill and Ted. They're just Bill and Ted. So no, not at all. And I even like that element of like they're still trying to write the song. They released a bunch of albums and they were as huge as they were supposed to be for a while, <laughs> but they have yet to write the one song that they're supposed to write that unites the world and the universe and everything. Yeah. And uh, I like that there's the up against the clock element. So the movie kind of plays out in real time as the first one kind of sort of did, except this one obviously moves at a faster pace because yes. at the point when they find out they need to write and perform the song they have 77 minutes, something like that. And I like and, the uh, play on that because I think it was like 13 minutes. And it's like, oh, it's only a 90 minute movie. That's, that's it was such like a tongue in cheek thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like this movie is going to happen in the exact amount of time it does. Yeah. Because the next one eventually they got a lot done in that afternoon. They got went to the police station. They went to the do their report. Uh, they went to the water slides. They did went to the mall. It was like, wow. Wow. Yeah. They had a full start, start at 5 a.m. Like. I know they were basically up all night. And they had a full ass day before giving that report. Yes. Like they were literally up all night going through time, collecting historical figures. And then all of a sudden <laughs> when they get to the circle K to meet now, who are the past Bill and Ted. And uh, when Rufus first shows up to meet them, uh, they have two hours. So at that point it's 1230. Now you've been at this for who knows how long, yeah. you know, it's been like 15 hours since <laughs> they started this, this yeah. excellent adventure. And they still need to, you know, get everything together. And uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. 
But I did like that they were up against the clock. I thought it would have been really easy and uh, frankly disappointing if their teenage daughters were current Gen Z stereotypes, caricatures, always on their phone, didn't think their dads were cool or whatever. And most teenagers don't think their parents are cool. That's just par for the course when you're a teenager. But the idea that they're they obviously are more influenced by Bill and Ted than they are their mothers, but they're not annoying teenagers. They're obviously huge music fans. And same thing. They're up. They're optimistic. And uh, they don't get deterred at any point during their Not adventure, which is essentially the, the B story. Um, I can nitpick about little things here and there, but you know what? Dave I, Paul, I, is that the one you want to nitpick about? What's I heard, that? I heard you when, when he came on screen, you were like, uh. Oh, Dave, Dave Grohl. Grohl. Yeah. The, the, the fact that Dave Grohl has a quick cameo is, is the low point of the movie. I will say that. <laughs> That's just for me personally. I, there's too much Dave Grohl. A- any Dave Grohl is too much these days for me. Yeah. But I know I'm in the minority on that, too. Um, I-, I will admit, though, there is a without giving it away, if you haven't seen the movie yet. And you absolutely should, by the way. We're absolutely recommending the movie. Yes. Uh, particularly if you're a fan. Whenever you feel you, it's it's so good. Yeah. And that's so it, good. too. Like, especially for you can rent it for 20 or own it for 25 right now. It's it's totally worth it. It is a future purchase of mine, probably digitally. So definitely. Actually, all three of them. I think we're going to bundle them all together and just get the whole bundle. There you go. That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. But uh, th- there was a, there is, it's, it's not even fair to call it an homage. Let's just say there's a Rufus moment in there where it's it's kind of a tribute um, without taking you out of the movie. And uh, I'll admit, I teared up when I saw George. And no, I so did, cool. and I I didn't want to draw attention myself, and I didn't think it was gonna, but you know because I I always have to wear glasses when I'm hanging out at your place because you're fucking cat. Um, I did pull them I off and it. have to like wipe my eyes. I did tear up a little bit in each eye, right in the center here. And as a full fledged grown ass man who cried at you know Chewie were home and you know, <laughs> and when and when Han showed up in Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I it's perfectly fine, and I actually glad you did that. So. Me too. I got a little like, oh, that's so cool. Like a moment of like, oh, good. They paid a little tribute there. Well, I figured they were going to do something and that was it. I I didn't know what to expect. And then when the moment happened and it's brief and it's not like, hey, here's George Collin. Remember he died a few years ago? It isn't something, again, that takes you out of the movie, but just that moment of very sweet. (sighs) Yeah, it was. It was a very sweet moment and it did just move me. I got to say Mm -hmm. I did get that way. But um, the movie was great. Um, I do think it, it, the ending was kind of abrupt, but it made up for the fact that there's a post credit scene, I should say, or the fact <laughs> there's a post credit scene made up for the fact that all of a sudden the movie's just kind of like, oh, that was it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and not in a bad way. It was just surprising yeah. that it ended on, pardon the pun, the note that it did. But, uh, there's, a, there's a great post credit scene. And, uh, I do like the fact that. Everybody's saying, so is there going to be another movie? You know, like everybody does with any movie when, yeah, you know, yeah, any yeah. any hack interviewer is, is just going to be like, yeah. so is there going to be a fourth movie? Are we going to see Bill and Ted back on the big screen? You know, oh, all those hokey questions. Well, is Tony Stark really dead? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Are we going to be seeing Tony Stark again? Like, yeah. That's it. Robert Downey Jr. is never going to get away from that that question because people have nothing to say. Yeah. It's it's terrible. But regardless, um, I, at the same time, everybody expects him to answer that question forever and same with when anyone's doing press for a movie especially a franchise so is this the last time we're going to see bill and ted um they're saying right now that they, they haven't even thought about 
a fourth one. They're not saying no. They're just saying that it's not a thought right now. Everything's been in making this movie happen. It should just like like with the amount of time that they put into this and the amount of years that have been this has been discussed about um, making a third film. It's been about ten years altogether. Yeah. Why concentrate on like let's relaunch the franchise? It's like just make your movie, make your movie, and if it's successful and people want more, then if you have an idea for a story, go for it. But if not, then just You've told your story, and I think that that's what they did here. They accomplished it, and this isn't a knock on them. It's way better than I ever expected it to be, and it's not because I thought, well, I had really low expectations. No, I thought this was – I was looking for an enjoyable film, and that's what I got. But what I got out of it more was just like this is such – just a feel-good, fun movie. So Oh, for sure, and and that's it. And th- just to say and it's – nothing could be worse than the Bill and Ted show at the at, – uh, uh, what is it? Universal Florida. Oh. oh my God. The Bill's Bill and Ted stage show five, uh, six years ago, Noel and I went to Disney for our anniversary mm-hmm. and, and we went to Universal the day before. And I was like, Bill and Ted show. This is great. And it was fucking awful. Really? And it was all oh. modern. It was stage show with modern pop stars. And it just kept like, I was just in my, but the thing is, if you left, the audience calls you out like, Oh, see you later. Bro. See you later, dude. And everybody points and laughs. So I'm like, I'm going to have to suffer through this because I'm not getting made fun uh, of my Bill and Ted. I never, I never got to, like, I never got to experience the that. name of Bill and Ted. You bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but no, face the music was it, it. Like you said, it was what we needed. I, I needed a good laugh. I needed an escape. And all four of us got that Friday night and I yeah. couldn't be happier. I want to revisit it again soon. Yeah, totally. Me too. I've been saying that since. I'm like, I want to watch it. I want to watch it. <laughs> like, I got to rewatch. And that's it, too. Watching it the first time, you know, I've, I pick up on so many more things that I like watching the first two on repeated viewings. And it's going to be the same with this movie, I'm sure, which I'll be watching just a bunch of times. But yes. um, I'm not going to nitpick it. I had a lot of fun with it. If you're on the fence about it, and Jack knows a lot about sitting on the fence, but do it. Rent it. And support the movie, too. I mean, that's kind yeah. of the other thing that... I mean, this is why movies like this get held up. Um, part of it could be when you look at the lackluster performances of sequels that came out way later, whether it's Dumb and Dumber 2, Independence Day Resurgence, uh, Zoolander 2. You know, there there are some movies you can point to where they waited a long time to do another one and it didn't perform as well. And I think that makes it harder. It would it definitely must have influenced the fact that, you know, Bill and Ted Face Music took a long time to actually come to be because apparently they've had the script for like four years and they've been yeah. trying to get it going. But it's also, you know, there are, isn't a whole lot of investment in movies like this anymore either because no, not it's not a huge theatrical release. Like, you know, it's not a tentpole movie like so many franchises are. This is a much smaller franchise and one that hasn't and, had a new movie in 29 years. And not only that, but Hollywood, you're only as good as your last movie. And fortunately enough, Keanu Reeves in the past, Several years has been had another career resurgence. He's the king of career resurgences. Like you think he's down and out, he's going to come back. And I mean, with the John Wick films, the sequels in twenty seventeen, uh, I mean twenty fourteen was the first one, but with the sequel in twenty seventeen, twenty nineteen, and just this what's been called the Keanu songs. People want to see more Keanu Reeves movies. So oh yeah, why not have it be one of his one of his most famous roles that got literally started his career. His his first most his beloved character. Yeah, because yeah. he's got it's, three now. He's got Ted, he's got Neo, and now he has John Wick. So he has three, yeah. which is way unusual. But yeah, I, I agree. I definitely think the the fact that the popularity of the John Wick movies and the fact that Keanu is so, so loved, loved right now. People love, 
even in public, like the uh, public perception of Noel loves BuzzFeed and all these other things. And she's always had a crush on Keanu Reeves. She's loved him since childhood, but like, he just is a nice person and people like him. He's a gen, one of the people in Hollywood you can see is genuine. So to like, Oh, another Keanu movie. Oh, Bill and Ted. And like a younger audience would be like, Oh, I like Bill and Ted, the 18 year old who sees John Wick. Oh, John Wick's in this new comedy. No, wait, this is a sequel. Then it starts all over again. You have your new audience. So. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah. and listen, some kids, uh, the first Marvel movie they saw was Endgame, just because that was the age. You know, they were probably six yeah. years old, and it's, there we go. Which is another thing. I will say, I really don't know why this movie was PG-13. I don't mm-hmm. get it. There's there's virtually well, no PG cursing. Nowadays, anyway. Well, so. that's true. PG is rare, but I, I really PG don't know. Like trolls, or I don't even know if that's even PG, trolls. It's got to be. I'm sure there's a lot of toilet humor in that movie. It's got to be PG. But yeah. <laughs> I'm, I've never sister, seen him. seen it 40 times last week so awesome with her five-year-old niece so but there's a uh i mean aside from the representation of hell which i feel like was a lot darker in bogus journey and bogus journey had more scary yes. imagery let's say in hell than this movie did oh, i really don't get always seen like when they're chasing with yeah that, like, oh god yeah That's... granny s preston yeah. esquire is is frightening so is the easter bunny <laughs> i mean there's oh. a lot of scary stuff in the in the second one as opposed to the third one i really don't know why it's pg-13 to be completely honest there's no yeah. serious cursing or anything like that but whatever. Yeah, no, like, se- like you know, oh, you know, sex, stu- sexiness, or se- like anything at all. To- it's a, it could be, a, it could pass as a family movie. It really is that funny. Maybe it a is. couple curses here and there could be levy, but I don't know. But nothing, nothing watch- heavy, nothing gratuitous. No, not at all. So I, I didn't, I didn't really understand that. Yeah. Well, the other main subject we have to talk about is uh, mm-hmm. while we were watching Excellent Adventure, like uh, a lot of people, honestly, I've heard more and more. As people have been talking about their weekend, uh, a lot of people while watching, particularly uh, the third Bill and Ted movie, heard the news. And uh, we did as well because Sherry's phone was blowing up and I look over and I could tell by the look on her face something's wrong. It's bad news. And I said, what's wrong? And I had the remote. The remote was kind of in between you and I. So I paused Excellent Adventure and I turned around. I was like, what's wrong? She said, Chadwick Boseman died. What? Yeah. Wait, Chadwick Boseman? Not Chad Michael Murray? Like, in my head, I'm thinking it's got to be somebody I else. I didn't honestly hear her. I mean, I heard her say Chadwick Boseman, but it wasn't clear to me. And, like, Noelle reacted, like, wait, wait, who died? And she said Chadwick mm. Boseman. And immediately my heart, like, my brain went right to, oh, my God, was it like Kobe Bryant? Because we had that tragedy earlier this year of Kobe mm. Bryant and his wife. Yeah. His daughter. Yeah. Helicopter crash. And I'm like, yeah, his daughter. I'm sorry. Uh, his daughter dying in a helicopter crash. And he was in his early 40s. And I'm like, oh, my God, was there another accident? Because that immediately that's where my any person in their four, like 30s, 40s, 50s, like it has to be a tragic. Yeah. Anytime accident. you hear somebody who's dying prematurely, definitely before their time yeah. and, and at an age like 43, you assume it has to be some kind of accident, like something's wrong, especially something. My, yeah. my head went to a dark place. I immediately opened Twitter and they had the statement of colon cancer. Like, oh, son of a yeah, bitch. I know. Or man suffering. Uh, well, that's the, the remarkable thing is that, you know, considering he was struggling with this for the last four years fighting colon cancer, he did the Black Panther movie and Infinity War and Endgame. And granted, he's a smaller part in Endgame, of course. But the idea that he was doing all this work while battling colon cancer is astonishing. Change, yeah, he's changing the world essentially literally playing a character changing the world because 
to look at Black Panther, Black Panther was the highest grossing movie of 2018, and, and Infinity War is right behind it. And I, and the reason for that is because Infinity War, while it was the most anticipated movie of all time, Black Panther culturally was more relevant, and more people who didn't love the Marvel movies saw Black Panther. Oh, I totally. Know a coworker who said, "I'm going to see Black Panther. I've never seen a Marvel movie in my life, but I'm seeing Black Panther because it was culturally relevant for her to be like, there's a black superhero, and it's not, you know." meteor man or something it's a legitimate <laughs> like you know it was a, it was a cultural it was it was more than a superhero it was more than just another period, oh yeah another it was it's it was a moment icon this a character was an icon so well that and everything surrounding it not just the character because that you know there's the people who aren't willing to look back beyond the last five years and not realize that there were three blade movies and yeah there was meteor man i mean there are other characters you can point to yeah. spawn uh, there are other movies where there have been black like superheroes. Man, that movie's funny. I liked that when I was a kid. Well, I did too, actually. I watched it again, <laughs> uh, probably about two years ago, and I I think it's a funny movie. It's it's dumb, but I I enjoy it. I'd love to rewatch that actually. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think it's on Crackle or something like that. I saw uh, recently. It's it's on one of the streaming services. So fucking funny. It is movie. really funny, <laughs> um, and, and cheesy, but it is exactly <laughs> what you expect it to be, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it's also the idea that it's this predominantly black cast and, you know, to dis- the, its success dispelled the myth of, you know, a movie with such a prominent, you know, that's a, a majority black cast isn't going to play internationally. It's not going to make as much money. It's, uh, it, you know, there was the idea that it couldn't be as successful and then it exploded. And in that way has made everybody sit back and say, oh. A movie like this can be successful. Yeah. A movie with a largely black cast, especially, frankly, an all-star cast. If you're looking at everybody oh who's in that movie, yeah. it's a strong cast regardless. <laughs> I mean, everybody in that movie is, is yeah. amazing. Besides Infinity War and Endgame or even Civil War, that mm-hmm. is the, one of the best cast Marvel movies ever. Oh, hands down. Panther is unbelievable. Yeah, they really went for it. And everybody wanted to do it yes. for that reason. And it really was that good. And to have Ryan Coogler direct it, too. I mean, the director of Creed and Fruitvale Station. Come on. He's so, yeah. I mean, what what a what an amazing get he was to, to have him do that. And uh, He's one of the man. best working today, by far. Oh, f- for sure. Um, and even when it came to, you know, film nerds like us were aware of Chadwick Boseman at the point when he was announced in November 2014 yeah. as Black Panther because he was in 42 the year before. Get on up. The James Brown movie got a, a smaller release and was already out at that point, but wasn't playing that much. It was playing a few theaters in L.A. I knew that, even though I missed it, because it wasn't playing long. And unfortunately, I didn't see it until, geez, I saw it in California. So it was maybe 2017 or 18. It may have been actually after Black Panther, so it may have been 2018. Uh, even though I'd wanted to see it, it's just one of those movies I'd kind of forgotten about. So until he would have been sick oh, yeah. during that production too right i i get to get on up but it's one of those i uh I really if it was to. if it was it came out in 2014 so now not at that point um oh, okay. but that is a i mean they said 42 kevin feige has said that 42 was definitely big in, in making their decision that that yes, movie yeah. and his performance was a big factor and then he was announced in 2014 right but get on up he, is i mean that's a movie where if you watch it taking black panther out of it especially if you saw that at the time before Civil War and everything else, you know, certainly before he was cast as Black Panther, you look at that and say, that dude is special. That guy is going to do some great stuff in his career. Mm, Because when you watch his portrayal of James Brown, he is, he's all in. And he's way believable. And, you know, it's, he may not look like James Brown, and I know that's generally the criticism of 
a lot of biopics is well they don't look Joaquin Phoenix doesn't look like Johnny Cash and you know there there are very few mm. times that actually happens and it, it, it doesn't even they are you believe it if the performance exactly. is good you believe it 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 doesn't matter it really doesn't <laughs> you know mm. it's as long as the performance is good you need somebody who has the ability not somebody who looks like you know Tom Hanks doesn't look like Fred Rogers it's okay because the performance yeah. you still believe that this is Fred Rogers and same thing with James Brown you're watching this movie and you're like damn. This movie is this dude is great, and the movie is great. And wasn't Mick Jagger man, in that movie? Like, or did he, he, he wasn't it in or? it? He produced it though. Okay. Um, and Dan Aykroyd is in it, and I know he had handed it somewhere. I don't remember if he was producer or what, but he was obviously friends with James Brown because of Blues Brothers and Doctor Detroit. You know, he known yeah, James Brown yeah. for a long time, so he's in there as uh, James Brown's manager, uh, Jack's Hollywood father, Dan Aykroyd. Yes. And uh, anyway, well, it's, I never hear uh, from. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> we're waiting. We're waiting for that Crystal Skull Vodka endorsement for Cape. Mm. <laughs> Whenever you're ready. Whenever you want to yeah. sponsor the show, Mr. Ackroyd, yes. you let yes. us know. Because look at this face. Do you see this guy? He looks so much like you. Yes. It has to be yours. Were you at Point Pleasant, New Jersey in 1984, Mr. Ackroyd? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Maybe. Were you promoting right. Ghostbusters? And they, uh, never mind. No. We're, no, no one's any, making any accusations. But No, no, no. We, no. we are, it's, however, it's asking. Pure coincidence. I know who my parents are. So. <laughs> but we're asking for advertising money. Let's. Yeah. We're, we're not going to. I mean, if you want to play along, I could, I could totally, you know, you could make a case. We'll, we'll talk about that off mic. But anyway, uh, the, the <laughs> shock of. Chadwick Boseman. And you know what? It's I was saying it the other night. There there have been a lot of these in the last few years where it's sudden, you know, whether it's David Bowie or Prince, you know, Toby Bryant was obviously a, a tragedy in that it was a it was an, an accident, horrible accident, horrible yeah. accident. And you whenever know, since then, uh, when since Kobe happened, whenever a younger person has died, that's immediately where I go to. Uh, of a tragedy like my mind just goes right there so not that i was like any kind of relieved that it was cancer but it was kind of like oh my god like i don't know it just it just was such a because sometimes when you see people die you don't ever get the straight answer of like this person died and it's like well how how did they die how did someone die at 47 right and old? and there's no public explanation made which is yeah i, I would think sometimes almost worse because then it leaves yeah. people to speculate was it this was it drugs was it yeah. some you know what i mean because there's so many times you hear about oh no so and so od'd and that's why i mean people even say it about prince like you know prince was a druggie it's like well he yeah, was on drugs because of his like, hip. how did i remember sitting in the barber when the news broke like how did he die can someone please explain to me yeah how did prince actually die like and and that's yeah. it like there's sometimes you just don't get those answers as much as we want them we don't yeah. necessarily get them. So the fact that they came out and said exactly what it was. And look, even as far as keeping that private, because yeah. that's something, you know, assholes want to get pissed off about. Like, why didn't we know? Why didn't he tell us? It's because none of your fucking business. No, that's it's why not. it's not. And at the same time, if you don't want to tell anybody, I get it. I've said before, I had a friend of mine who passed away from cancer who kept it private and didn't want anyone to know. And I get why, because it's going to be the first question anybody asks you when they see you. How are you? How have you been? How's your health? You know, everyone's going to ask you about that. And, it, don't wanna... and you don't want that to define you. I understand it. And Bowie, same thing. He kept it quiet. He didn't say anything about it. And that's why it was such Alan a shock. Alan Rickman, another one. Alan Rickman. That's another example. And that was another one. Like, what? Alan Rickman yeah, died. Yeah, he had cancer? Like, mm. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a, that's another perfect example because of like, like, oh. we live in this society where it's like, if you learn. Look at it this way. If someone said, oh, David Bowie has cancer or 
Alan Rickman has cancer, or Chadwick Boseman has cancer, it becomes Death Watch. It becomes like celebrity. Oh God, spotted. yeah. Oh, oh it's Chadwick horrible. Spotted outside of uh, outside of the uh, Hilton Hotel in Beverly Hills, looking very frail, and then you see bullshit like National Enquirer, the last sad days of Chadwick Boseman. Like fuck off. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> so I understand why it's like no one's business. It's like this man was suffering, and he wasn't suffering in silence. He had his family, and that's all that was important to him, and that's all that the explanation needs to be. Absolutely. So. And you know what? He he was able to do the work. I mean, we think about the impact this guy had from playing Jackie Robinson, James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, and then T'Challa, the king of Wakanda in Black icons. Panther. I yeah. mean, playing icons. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to make movies that were positive for black people. He's said it in interviews that that's what he wanted for his career. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He did it. In such a short amount of time. And it's a shame that we're we're not going to have him around and we're not going to see other performances that he would have given us, which would have been amazing, which would yeah. have gotten him Oscars. I have no doubt. And he was a directing uh, major as well in school. So I'm sure he would have transitioned and, uh, and to directing. And everything at his feet. He was, he was just beginning to see what yeah. he was capable of. Yeah. In, in, his, in his prime in a lot of ways. I mean, in as much as now having the juice to get things done, because, you know, with having... With being in the Marvel franchise, you can get stuff green lit, even smaller movies, as we've seen, you know, other people who were part of the the MCU have gone off and done little projects that they probably couldn't have gotten done otherwise if they didn't have yeah. the association of being also a character in the Marvel universe. And it's I mean, I'm sad in you know, I'm sad that the man lost his life. I'm also sad for the fact that we're not gonna get to see what he would have given us of course and it's 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 horrible i feel sad for little kids who grew who finally young young and it could be anyone white black no any any nationality who found comfort in black panther who thought that's my superhero he's my hero and now to know that that actor's gone i feel so that's who I feel the most. I mean, obviously for him and his family, but outside of that, like young people who were so inspired by him were, right. he's gone. Like, I don't know how I would have felt at seven years old. If Michael Keaton, God forbid had died under similar circumstances. Totally. Yeah. No, yeah. well th- to make, yeah, to, to bear apples to apples. Yeah. At that age, we would have been like, what? Yeah. He's gone. Like Batman's gone. And yeah, it would have been shocking to us the way it, mm-hmm. it's gotta be for kids. Who were fans of Black Panther? I, I totally understand that. And yeah, you know, there's been people on Instagram and Twitter. I follow a lot of toy pages, and a lot of people are posting. My son has his Marvel figures out, and they're all standing in tribute to the Black Panther. So, like, it's just so. This is bigger than just oh, it's another Marvel. Movie. It's it's bigger than just a Marvel movie. It's it's influence, and this movie influenced more than. Uh, so many young people found comfort in that character. For kids who like Captain America, maybe he's not your favorite. Maybe. Hulk's not your favorite, but Black Panther was my guy, and to be robbed of that is sucks. I totally. feel so horrible for that. And the good thing is, you know, in, in light of all this, and I'm not trying to polish a turd here in as much as, like, this is bad news, I'm trying to put a spin in it, but the reality is now people will see other movies he's done, and they will see 42 and learn about Jackie Robinson. They will see Get On Up and learn about James Brown. They will see Marshall and learn about Thurgood Marshall and that story. So, that is is great in the fact that because he chose those roles, because he's played four icons, including one fictional, then people will now learn more about these stories and his influence will 
be spread deeper and wider because of the choices he made, because of the career that he had, and because of the performances he gave us. That yeah. can't be understated. Not at all. It really, really can't. And, you know, there are a lot of people who have been saying, you know, particularly over the weekend, that, you know, we shouldn't be talking about the future of Black Panther. We shouldn't be talking about Marvel movies. You know, th this man lost his life, and there are more important you, things. You could talk about it, but there's some websites, obviously. Uh, like I believe it was... And it was Screen Rant or something said, now what should Marvel do? Not the time. Like, Well, th and that's exactly it. But, I mean, at the same time, when you do movie-oriented news, what are you supposed to talk about? And, you know, I'm a fan of uh, John Campia, who's a fellow broadcaster and a, a movie pundit, so to speak, but and a filmmaker in his own right. But he, you know, put out a, a statement last night for those of us who subscribe to his YouTube channel and just said, uh, look, a lot of people understandably want to talk about Chadwick Boseman, don't necessarily want to look at the future of the MCU, but the fact is, hey, just want to give everybody a heads up, look, look, if you don't want to hear this conversation, don't tune into tomorrow's show because we are going to talk about it, meaning his show today. Yeah. And um, I appreciate that, and a lot of fans appreciated that as well because, yeah, there are people who don't want to talk about it, but the reality is, because Black Panther was such an influential character, was such an important movie to the MCU, and T'Challa is such a, a huge forward. part of it. Well, yeah, that, that question has to be asked and will be asked because of that influence. It's not being disrespectful to the man because he passed away prematurely and under, under horrible circumstances. But you know what? The question does need to be answered. People are going to be wondering what's happened, you know, and what's going to happen. And how does this change things? It's, it does, you know, when you're part of something that's so huge, in this case, the biggest film franchise around. Um, yeah. And the same question was asked, you know, after Carrie Fisher passed away, well, what are they going to do about the third Star Wars movie? You know, how, we, yeah. how are they going to handle this? It is a, a realistic question. It's not being disrespectful to the person. It's because no, it's, of what the not, person it, gave it's us. Context. It's, it's how you can do it. There's a way you can do it respectfully and say, like, we can talk about this. And then there's a sensationalized version of, like, what does Marvel do now? Like, and, you, and there's your clickbait headline. There's a way exactly. you can talk about it. So Exactly. And. You know, for me, I look at it, yeah, at this point to talk about it, it has been a few days and there is no standard appropriate amount of time before you can talk about what's next for the character that this person has given us. Um, I understand why people want to start asking that question now. And for, I don't know what Marvel's going to do. We can speculate all, all we want. Mm -hmm. um, I think this this world they've built with Wakanda and these characters they've introduced us to, aside from T'Challa. I think it would be a shame to not do anything with it going oh, I, forward. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, they could just end. I mean, they could certainly end T'Challa's story, which is how, you know, the ending of, of Endgame and showing that moment of him yeah, with his mother ending. and sister. Yeah. And, and say, that's it. And if they want to leave Black Panther alone, then that's fine. If they're going to, I mean, I don't know what happens in the comic. I don't know if Shuri takes over as Black Panther or anything like that. Like, I don't know what, what happens beyond T'Challa in the comics. Um, if they didn't continue it, I would understand. And it is an incredibly tough act to follow. At the same time, I think audiences would be understanding if they did have a different character become the Black Panther. But I mean, Black Panther 2 was on the docket, you know, for 2022. And mm -hmm. obviously that's in, not going to happen release date. Yeah. Yeah. In, in this form now, it's not going to happen. So unfortunately, 
Uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but my thing is, if they didn't do anything more with Black Panther, I think it'd be a shame because of of what they've given us, what they've shown us with Wakanda, what they built. But at the same time, I would be okay with it because where do you go from here? Yeah. But what do you think, Jack? Do you have any feelings I, about? I think well, my and this isn't just a cop out answer. I think Marvel will do what's right. Marvel will know what they can do is right and go from there. If they want to continue it, they certainly could look at their options and okay, how do we continue this? Do we just continue with the other characters? Do we feel, uh, does someone take over for the Black Panther mantle? Do we work this into real life? Or like you said, there was, it had a perfect ending with Endgame where, I mean, even the movie Black Panther is very open and closed from start to finish. And then the world, uh, not for people who haven't seen Black Panther yet. Uh, sorry, you're listening to the wrong podcast. But, but like, first of all, do it. <laughs> yeah, do it, please. Get on Disney Plus and watch it for crying out loud. Um, but to oh, the way that they open Wakanda up at the end and the way that his story with Killmonger kind of has an open and shut storyline throughout the film, it is a perfect standalone film. And then you incorporate him into Endgame, and, I mean, Infinity War and Endgame. And in Endgame, he has, again, a similar happy ending where peace is made and it, it it's the fairy, fairy tale ending for him. So you can look at it both ways and be like, okay, there is a perfect opportunity to just leave it as is. And then there's an opportunity to, and there, but there could be an opportunity that we can do something else in the future. The only thing is, no one has the, like you said, no one has the answer. Marvel is going to know what's right. Kevin Feige, I'm sure in the coming days or whenever he, the grieving process is over, might start thinking of what do we do now? How do we honor? And not just him. The MCU is a collaborative process, not just filmmakers, but the actors that they've worked with over these, over a decade now. I'm sure there'll be a collaborative experience of like, what could we do to honor Chadwick? What can we do to help with the black? What, what's the next logical step? And they could take as much time as they want. So there's no clock on it. There's no anything. Do what's best. If you want to continue it, I'm sure they'll find a way. I don't know how, but I don't have the answers. I mean, we could speculate all we want, but I have no way to, to, I, I don't see it. I mean, if, if you leave it up to me, I'd say end it at end game and, walk away and if you can incorporate other characters down the line in other situations sure but i don't i don't have the answers so i trust marvel that's just me as a fan they'll do what's best for whatever they feel is the best option and that's i'm going to leave it at that cool and, and i agree they're gonna they're gonna figure something out and yeah. you know with every production being shut down then we don't know kind of what's happening anyway. So they can certainly restructure it and, yeah, and shuffle everything the that they need to, because we don't know if black widows coming out in November. And I know we're just talking in technical stuff right yeah. now. So if, if something else gets pushed back and replaces that black Panther two spot, it would work. Well, that's it. You know, and if and black, that's the thing. If like this black widow gets pushed to, push to push February. It yeah. Has potential to push back because everything's been pushed back. So it was going to be a may release date in 2022. And I know we were like, Oh, Thor, then Black Panther, and everything else in 2022, realistically, they might not have been able to hit that just because of production. Uh, and I mean, another thing that could have been a problem, I mean, not a, saying it's a problem, but like, Chadwick was sick. So I mean, yeah. his physical ability to actually do the film could have been in question. That's we, true. I mean, we'll it, never know. Like, you could be, we could assume Black Panther 2 was on track, but th we had no idea that this man was sick. I'm sure Kevin Feige and executives knew what he was fighting. So this wasn't mm. a complete shock to them. I mean, I'm sure they're heartbroken as much as anybody else, but I'm sure that they were in the know to be like, Hey, Chadwick's sick and he might not have another six months realistically. So 
who knows what their plans even were contingency plans before that before he passed if there were contingency plans you don't no one knows and we'll never of course yeah well, i mean we don't know in as much as he may have tried to keep them in the loop especially at the point i mean i certainly hope he had some degree of closure and that it wasn't just a sudden thing that it was a uh, it sounds horrible to say, but there was some kind of decline that he was aware of and yeah. that he was able to reach out and say, listen, this is what's going on. I don't want to not let you know what's happening because, <laughs> you know, we we have a contract. We have these plans for this character and I don't want to leave you hanging. I would hope so. And if he didn't, you know what? That's OK, too, because he has his, yeah. he has his own life to think about, not just what Marvel's going to do. Marvel's going to carry on. Long after, you know, long after he passes away, maybe even after you and I are gone, Jack, you know, there may be Marvel movies forever at this point. So it's, I, hope it, so. I, I mean, it, it would be great if he gave them some consideration, let them know. I'm sure that's something we'll find out down the line. But at the same time, you yeah. know, it's we haven't been in that position where we've had to obviously make that decision and say, yeah. who do we let know about this? So. Nonetheless, uh, we love you, Chadwick Boseman. We yes, we love what you gave Greatly us, missed. and I'm glad other people are going to get to see your performances and see, hopefully, look deeper into the stories of the people who you portrayed on screen. They'll hopefully look into Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, James Brown, and really that that you will have have uplifted the black community in the way you wanted to. Yes. I mean, I really do. I mean, we'll never understand that as two white guys. We just won't. <laughs> We're not no. going to understand what black Panther meant and what, you know, these other three portrayals of black icons are going to mean to people. But it all We're opens not. the doors for black history. Like if it does his performance as James Brown, let me get into, I, 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 let me listen to some James Brown and like, let me go and research what James Brown's all about or Thurgood Marshall. Or Jackie Robinson. Let me learn about these people more because it is all black history. And Chadwick has his, he portrayed those characters and that's his moment of black history also. And just also with, T'Challa is going to live on forever. If, if it's just one movie or if they make plans to change things, whatever, like we just discussed, that movie will live on forever. That was an iconic performance in an iconic film. And that movie is, I mean, it was the only MCU movie to be nominated for Best Picture. And rightfully so. It's a fantastic film. It's not my favorite. But it's one of the better ones. It's one of the absolute best Marvel films. So it's going to live on forever. That influence will never die whatsoever. So, Totally. Yeah. And we love you, Bill and Ted. We yes. love you, and Alex thank and you, Keanu. Bill and Ted, for picking us up during <laughs> this whole sadness. It, it got my mind off. The it, it did. For that hour and a half that we watched Face the Music, we weren't thinking about this and, and the loss of Chadwick Boseman. And... Uh, Again, thank you for taking us out of life for a bit. And, you know, the friendship of Alex and Keanu, I'm, I love watching the interviews that they're doing together to promote this movie because the fact there's a real friendship there yeah, really shows. I mean, it's one thing to have chemistry on screen, but the fact that they actually became friends and have stayed friends this entire time and then have this this friendship as the characters as well, that completely shows on screen. And the love they have for each other absolutely comes out on screen and in these interviews so definitely check those out too with yeah, what the definitely. two of them are up to but uh what more can we say folks that's yeah. it um watch marshall and get on up and 42 and bill and ted face the music and if for some reason yes. you haven't seen black panther rent it stream it whatever yeah and uh enjoy it yes and uh that's that's about it that's what we got for this week two big uh big topics that that rose out of this weekend 
So that's it. So thank you for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, follow, all that other good stuff. You can follow Jack on Twitter at JackWagon85 and on Instagram at JacksonFigure1985. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Abalo and on Instagram at Chris Sells Out and follow the show at Cape Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, the show will be back next Monday. So until then, for Jack DeFranco, this is Chris Abalo, and this was yet another experiment. Go number one!